episode 35 of the Adelan Rising podcast. We're your hosts, Saren, Doc, and Adam. In this episode, we discuss, discuss issue 24 of Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, issue 24 of Miss Marvel, issue 7 of Black Bolt, issue 7 of Secret Warriors, issue 4 of Once and Future Kings, and issue 10 of Royals. We're really behind, guys. <laughs> Too much TV. We have every single Inhuman title... Uh, ready to take a look at yeah uh, 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 big a big host of reviews i think um, uh, i think the last review episode we did was like what a month ago that's what it feels like yeah been, uh, well i think we caught up fall. on tv shows yeah a lot of cool stuff though we can start oh, off yeah rolling devil dinosaur which is a really wild madcap issue it was a lot of fun as yes. always, uh, they yes. never Moon yes. Girl never disappoints with entertainment. <laughs> well, um, uh, series artist uh, Natasha Bustos is joined by uh, Dominique Stanton, Michael Scheffler, Ray and Ray Anthony Height uh, for this wild—I don't know what to even call it—this affair where uh, Moon Girl basically tries out new partners to uh to team up with um in lieu of devil dinosaur being um sent back to his home dimension which i'm guessing will be a temporary thing but um last issue in issue 23 uh uh, moon girl decided it was probably best for devil dinosaur to remain in his time and place because uh manhattan is just not conducive to giant red tyrannosauruses um was very sad and um it's the this issue starts off with her kind of cleaning up her lab and she's realizing just how much she misses her stinky old pal um but with him gone she finally has a chance to read her fan mail (laughs) (laughs) i don't know where is this fan mail addressed to i mean it was addressed to um moon girl 145 yancey street yes ask a question get a question that's great (laughs) Well, she doesn't realize, but one of these letters is actually sent to her by Mojo of the Mojoverse, who is this weird alternate monster. Uh, he was actually he he, he uh, showed up way back in the pages of uh, Louis Simonson and Art Adams miniseries Longshot, which is a great miniseries. Um, it's about this universe um, that is all about. Television. It's, it centers around television programs, and its ruler, this corpulent Jabba the Hutt guy named Mojo, maintains his powers by producing uh, hit TV shows that keeps his subjects entertained and thus docile and less, uh, you know, more willing to be ruled. So he has to come up with new TV shows. And one of the ways in which he's done this is that his son, he has some sort of technology that allows him to broadcast the adventures of all the heroes from the 616 universe. Um, kind of like a eavesdropping broadcast TV reality. T- I don't know what to call it. Yeah, his it's weird. popular show was the X-Men. This was during uh, the Halcyon days of Chris Claremont and um what's his name Silvestri Mark Mark I Silvestri. can't remember um, there you go and uh, uh the X-Men were a huge hit in the Mojoverse but ratings eventually started to dwindle and way that he uh got new ratings was to create the baby X-Men which were <laughs> cute 
child age, child versions of the X-Men. It was kind of like the Muppet Babies. You guys remember the Muppet Babies? Muppet Babies! There you go. Yeah. I think it was like, I I have no idea what you're talking about. I am currently a child of the 80s. I'm a child of the 90s. It was a trope from the 80s and 90s that whenever uh, a television program started to stall out, they would introduce a really cute saccharine new character a little kid <laughs> the brady bunch did it the cosby show did it and it was it was so over the top and and the x-men babies were kind of a uh, a play on that right um, well it turns out that a new hit in the mojo verse is the adventures of moon girl and devil dinosaur of course and of course. um uh, Mojo has. Uh, I just keep wanting to say Mojo Jojo. Uh, Mojo, Mojo, has, Jojo, Jojo. Jojo. <laughs> okay. Mojo has somehow transported Lunella to the Mojoverse and has decided that her that now that Devil Dinosaur is gone, her new partners are going to be the Baby X Men. And then by <laughs> opening this letter, she's actually become contractually obliged to do so. Um, now, she wants nothing to do with this, of course. So she decides to run away, and she needs to get to her lawyer's office. That's all the way across town, and she doesn't know how she's going to get there. Well, there's a ghost rider race oh, dear. about this to is, go down. This is the best bit. This is just, oh, it's just like, like, it's so good. It's just that bit with the, the guy that's on like this this really old penny farm, and he's like, Tally ho, a race is a foot. And then you have the kid, then you have the kid on the, uh, the, ba- the uh, baby wheel. ghost rider. Big wheel bike. Oh, but I'm sad because this would have been a really good time for them to bring in um, Kushala from Doctor Strange and the Sorcerer Supreme. I was sad she oh. wasn't there because she's a badass. But anyway, go ahead. It, that's the whole scene was freaking hysterical. The guy on the what do you call the bike, Adam? Uh, it's called a penny, a penny farthing. This is a okay. giant front wheel yeah. bicycle, yeah. like yeah. you run the playing cards. Yeah, what is up with those old bicycles? Anyway, so, so they they used to be an actual thing in like early oh, yeah. Victorian England. Oh, yeah, so they were. They were the we're original bicycle. Yeah, yeah. He's got a and they to 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 sort of let it be known this is an old timey ghost rider. He has a giant handlebar mustache made of fire. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. I love this thing, honestly. So Lunella yeah. hitches a ride with one of these ghost riders to get across town to Hell's Kitchen where her lawyer is, and her lawyer is none other than Matt Murdock, otherwise known as Daredevil. Um now, Daredevil. It's an actually a pretty easy uh, case because you because minors can't be held to contract, so done and done. But Matt Murdock is quite concerned that a youngster, a nine-year-old, would be out there doing super heroics and all that. And, and she's like, I don't care what you think. And she runs off, and in his daredevil costume, he follows her, and it and saves her from a group of marauding the hand. Ninja, the hand. Although it actually turns out that she's saving him because ninjas aren't her thing, uh, they're a daredevil thing. And um, uh, yeah. so that didn't turn out so much. Now, I don't really know when she actually escapes the Mojoverse and ends up back in the real universe. It doesn't really matter. What matters is that it ends with her hooking up with Johnny Storm and Benjamin Grimm, otherwise known as the Human Torch and the Ever-Loving Thing, and saying, hey, look, we have... I'm the brains, you're the brawn. We need to team up and get our things done that way. And um, the thing and the human torch is like, right, let's do it. And this sets things up for the next arc in both uh, Miss uh, Marvel uh, Moon Girl as well as Marvel Two and One, where uh, Moon Girl, the Thing, and Human Torch will all be teaming up. I think 
as to get part the of a Fantastic Four back, right? Sue and the kids back. Um, so again, I have really no idea what happened. I don't know <laughs> if she did escape the Mojoverse or if those Ghost Riders were Can happening. I just say how cool it is that Lunell is gonna. Seems like she, if, if if they are doing this, and it seems like they are from some tweets I've seen from Marvel that the fa- Fantastic Four will be coming back. I think. I just think it's really awesome that Lunell is gonna have a, play, a part to play in that. I just think that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of so cool. Moon Girl and Miss Marvel have kind of been the standout, almost in humans from the the new human run. Um, right, the absolute best characters in my opinion since like twenty what twenty fifteen end of Secret Wars. Mm-hmm. Even before that, I think it's just yeah. yeah. I mean, Moon Girl so Moon Girl has has skyrocketed to one of my favorite characters ever, yeah. and I yeah, I, I think, just love her. I think the fact that um, we're also seeing her in Secret Warriors is just kind of like, it's just so good. She is such a great character, and she just works so well. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and the funny thing is, is that, um, and I maybe people will disagree with me, is that Devil Dinosaur is not really crucial to the nope. book. Nope. This is really nope. Moon... I mean, I kind of call it just Moon Girl. I love Devil Dinosaur, don't get me wrong. Right. But uh, this issue did not suffer from his absence. Um, nope. And I think that um, he's so big. Well, did you <laughs> did to... you read did you read the notes at the end of the issue? Because um, in the letters page, they basically said that they had wanted to do Devil Dinosaur, and um, you know, but they wanted to create a new character to go with it. And then, and I don't remember if Brandon and Amy told us this when we interviewed them. I forget. Um, but then, so the book was originally titled. Um, Devil Dinosaur and Moon Girl, but then this, they realized, they flipped it right before the book got published. I think they oh, did say know. that, but I think I think it's, it's been nearly a year since we had the interview, so it does ring well, they, a bell. They hadn't. What what I do recall is that they hadn't planned on making her an Inhuman, and it was yeah uh, it was recommended to them by Will Moss says, "Hey, why don't you make this part of the Inhuman sort of uh, initiative?" And they're like, uh, "Okay," and it ended up being. Uh, a fortuitous turn of events because that first uh, story arc, um, Terry Genesis worked as such a wonderful metaphor for for the maturing process and what Lunella was going through, and it's really worked out quite well. Even though her inhuman powers don't play much a role in the book at all. Um, nope. No, she and just the- switches. So here's a question though, because she switches brains with Devil Dinosaur on a full moon. Mm-hmm. So now that she doesn't have him, what's going to happen? Well, yeah, we're gonna have to thing. wait and see. You know, do those powers work interdimensionally? I don't, I don't, Time I, will tell. I don't, I don't think her powers really need to be a part of the book either, because look her at powers. The, super smart. Yeah, but and, that's not her powers. That's exactly, her. she's she is the smartest girl in existence. Smartest in, um, person. Smartest person. Yeah, smartest person. Um, yeah, I, I love this book. I have to say, I even, I even sort of like, um, I pulled the first, first volume off the shelf the other day. I sat down with my niece and I was like, hey, do you want to see something cool? And it was like, you know, she was pointing out the dinosaur and that sort of stuff. And I thought that was really sweet because it's mm-hmm. a really good book just to let a kid have a look at. Oh, yeah. All my nieces and nephews have, have been reading. They, they, Every time I see them, they're like, you got the new issue? You got the new issue? <laughs> yes, 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 I do. You got it, bro? You got the stuff? <laughs> I'm like, I tell my brother, you know, you can take them to the comic store yourself. You're like, no, it's free when you do it. Um, <laughs> of course. But a, a fun story. Now, I think Marvel 2-in-1 is written by Chip Zdarsky with art by Jim Chung. Um, a lot of fun. And I think 
Mr. Zadarsky and Mr. Montclair are actually pals. So I'm hoping that there'll be a lot of Moon Girl involvement with Marvel 2 and 1 as that, and then my fingers are crossed, as that mutates into being Fantastic Four in the future. Because it's been long, way too long since there's been a Fantastic Four with a book on the shelves, and I feel like that's like a crime against nature. Yeah, (laughs) it's been like two years now, huh? God, it's just... I, I got I got called out the other day. There was a thing going around on Twitter, oh. um, and it was basically for each like I'll give you a, an unpopular opinion about comic books. Mm-hmm. One of my unpopular opinions were I really don't understand the 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 whole hype around Fantastic Four. I'm sorry. Honestly, I kind of agree, but I just like oh! that Lunella. <laughs> I like that Lunella is going to be involved in such a prominent, well loved family because or bringing them back because. That's just only more, it's, you know, this putting is where, her out there. This is where Doc hangs up, isn't it? This is where the entire Time no, Rising podcast is. Just... But I, it's, it's, it is very odd to me that, as in humans fans, you guys aren't also Fantastic Four fans. Because that's... Well, I haven't gotten that far to catching um... up on all my humans books. <laughs> and all my humans stories. Okay. So that is on my list of stuff I need to do. There is no Marvel Universe without the FF. That's true. That's true. Lee, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby created the Fantastic Four, and a whole new type of comic emerged from that. And okay. all these characters from the Black Panther to the Inhumans to the Silver Surfer all came from Fantastic Four. Just grab the Omnibus or whatever issue. All right. I will. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, <laughs> um, Doc. I didn't mean to disappoint you. Written. I feel like I've disappointed my dad or something. <laughs> right? Son, I'm very upset with you. Now, now, if you're more, if you prefer contemporary comics, then you can't do any better than Jonathan Hickman's. That's yeah, I've heard that one. That's where I was going to start as well. Not only is that a great Inhumans tale, it's just a great Fantastic Four tale. It's just, it's science fiction comic books done right. Anyways, I'll stop harping. Um, <laughs> okay. Miss Marvel, so, now. Miss Marvel. Marvel, yeah. Okay, so Miss Marvel number 24, which was the, uh, the second issue in a, a, sh- a short two-issue two mini-arc uh, with guest artist Diego Ulatego, um, along with G. Willow Wilson and Ian Hearing. Um, and it was a fun brief, light-hearted affair in which uh, Miss Marvel and the Red Dagger tried to stop a slow-speed runaway train, which (laughs) is a very on-the-nose metaphor. (laughs) Anyways, um, right, so um, when she went off for a summer vacation in Pakistan, uh, Kamala met uh, a family friend named Karim, who's her age, and is secretly the uh, dashing hero known as La Kajir, or the Red Dagger. Now, obviously, or ah, uh, <laughs> Kareem and the Red Dagger are one and the same, but uh, neither he nor her are able to figure out their secret identities, which kind of stretches credulity, but whatever. <laughs> they, they're, they're, they're trying to, they're trying to uh, save this train. All manner of hijinks ensues, and two heroes do their best to keep the train and the passengers safe. This all involves a lot of uh, incredible and implausible feats, um, and but they do it. And what it really is is just a, a setting or me- a venue for Miss um, Marvel to talk about how kind of run down and um, sort of bummed out she's been feeling of late. Um, she's had a really uh, tough couple of months um, 
starting with the uh, Civil War II story where where she kind of uh, lost her her sense of idealism about Captain Marvel, and then the battle against Doc X, and then New Jersey City being taken over by the bigoted, xenophobic, worthy administration. Um, you know, still missing her best friend Bruno, discovering that her other childhood pal Josh had become the supervillain Discord. You know, Miss Marvel prevailed, but it's all left her very tired and very disheartened. And um, Kareem, or the Red Dagger, he notices this. He's like, man, you, you're not as vibrant and filled with zeal as you want, were when I met you in Karachi. Uh, what's going on? And uh, Miss Marvel's just like, yeah, I just, I feel... The, you know the rose is off the bloom, and I just don't feel good. And and uh, you know she had, she she had been this brand new character, and everyone loved her, and and it seemed like everything was going great. And then suddenly she had to contend with the fact that there are people out there who just don't like her, um, and it's been hard. And the Red Dagger's like, well, take a break, man. Take take some time off, and 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 regather yourself, refine your sense of purpose. And she's like, I can't. No, who will look after the city? He's like, I will. Your friends will. You gotta rely on your pals. So they save the train, and um, <laughs> once and and all the reporters come to you know to 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 you know in the past they'd be like, oh, Miss Marvel, you're so wonderful. But this time they're all like, who's your friend? How how does he get such awesome hair? Blah blah. <laughs> it's like, oh man. And she walks off, and she knows, yeah, she needs to take a break. So she's going to out. Stop that. <laughs> so I got a, so got a special guest there. I got a special guest who who loves any kind of cord. <laughs> so my earphone cords are are proving too tempting for him. Um, now, although this is light, a much needed light headed, light hearted story arc, you know, there's no real escaping the heavier issues here. I mean, there's a very kind of uh, this overt stand-in. It's like Kamala is dealing with the fact that there are people out there who don't like her. And metaphorically, it's like, oh, okay, well, if they don't like her because she's an inhuman or she's a, a super-powered being or that she's different in some way. But I think it's also a, a veiled stand-in for the fact that Things are, you know, she's a girl, she's a person of color, and she's a Muslim. And here in America and abroad, that's it's a rough time. I mean, we've got elected officials who are demonstratively anti-people of color, anti-women, right. anti-Muslim. And that's a lot for a person, you know, a 16-year-old girl, anyone yeah. to deal with. Yeah. And I think that G. Willow Wilson has done a really fantastic job of dancing around the matter in a way that addresses it for those who know what's up, but doesn't alienate those who can't relate for some reason. It, it creates uh, a two, you know, it's, it works on both levels. Mm. Um, and I think it continues to be just a fantastic series. Um, you know, my only complaint is that I'm not, I mean, I think that Diego Olatego is a great artist, but his particular style doesn't really work for me in terms of the feel and and visual feel of of what Miss Marvel has been. You know, because when you, the works of Adrian Alfona and Takashi Miyoyasha, or even um, Nico Leone, they had a very distinctive Miss Marvel feel. They throw in a lot of little uh, funny bits and pieces, like a raccoon eating an ice cream cone, stuff like that. <laughs> 
you know, it kind of made it like, oh, you you know, you're reading a Miss Marvel comic because of those little details. And um, I don't see that in the art for this arc, but um, Takashi is returning for next issue. So, okay, there was there's something I was gonna comment on, um, just about you know the whole kind of having to deal with being a 16 year old uh, Muslim in America at the moment, that sort of thing. And I think it was kind of like an offhand comment that I made a couple of episodes ago. Comic book episodes, not TV episodes. Um, and it was basically, I think I made the comment of, um, you know, certain people write certain characters better. Yeah. And I, I made a gender stereotype saying, you know, males and females write their representative um, pe- uh, person better. And I, I kind of realised that what I forgot to add is kind of like it's 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 authors like G. Willow Wilson who has experienced this kind of stuff. That's what I actually meant to get to, if you know what I mean. So like um, I think the other the other example I was given was was Dennis Hopeless on Spider Woman. Um, oh my god, that run was so good because because he he writes <laughs> being a parent. Do you know what I mean? I see, and it, that that yeah. it, it, you know, I I I did kind of feel bad after that episode went out. I kind of made a massive stereotype about you know particular people. That's okay. You know, I, I you know, I, it's kind of it's kind of been biting me ever since. I'm just kind of like, hmm, you know, You're take uh, this moment to owe up to it. Well, that's cool. Yeah, I think I, I, I think making mistakes is human. Yeah, and I that's, think Miss but yeah. Miss Marvel is a prime example of somebody who's experienced something and is then writing about it and i think that is the best way to write and i think that's well you, you, get you write all... to your strengths yeah and i think that that it you don't have to be of a certain demographic to write that demographic but no. i think you need to have intelligence and compassion and skill and that will come through you know uh miss wilson's an interesting story because she actually converted to islam in her 20s mm. um and and i think kind of probably experiences has had experiences both both sides um and that offers a very interesting perspective that i think she draws on and utilizes quite well um but she could be writing spider-man i think it'd still be good i just oh, yeah. Yeah, fan. definitely i think i think my the, the point i was trying to make last time was not you know stereotyping genders to specific genders um right it was more about you know, write to your experience is is kind of, you know, lots of writers do write to their experience, and I think that's great, and that's what should should be a you know it should be a thing more often because because you you tend to write better stories with a little bit more education, a bit more you know look into it basically. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. that's that's kind of what I meant. I yeah yeah. I mean, I've I've never been to the moon, but I can write a story about going to the moon. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, that probably would suck, actually. <laughs> well, Anyways. Well, you, you'd look into it a little bit more. You'd get educated, wouldn't you? So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It turns out it actually takes a really long time to get to the moon. I figured like, you'd get there in half an hour. No, it's like three days. <laughs> it, is, it is a bit bit of a way. Yeah. <laughs> I need it's a teleporting dog. Talking about the moon. Um, and somebody who came from the moon. Well, not came from... You know what I mean. Right. They lived on the moon for a bit. What is next on our docket? Black Bolt. Uh, looks like yeah. Black Bolt number seven. Yeah, that's oh, what I meant. This is an interesting one. Um, a kind of a fill-in, I think. It's they a were, road trip issue. A road trip issue. Then they're giving um, Christian Ward some time to adjust to being a parent. And so Fraser Irving has joined uh, 
Yeah, lovely man. Uh, I've met him once. Lovely man, uh, Fraser Irving, and has joined uh, writer Saladin Ahmed to um, to sort of tell the story of how Black Bolt and Blinky get home from the space prison. Um, and, and and Monsteroso. Yes, and Monsteroso. So <laughs> so because uh, Lockjaw was injured in the in the climactic battle against the jailer, uh, they can't just teleport home. They have to use this old um, spaceship they found. <laughs> so, just rattling around. It's like, yeah, I got yeah. back. They use well, an old spaceship. People have to get there somehow. Yeah, they use an old spaceship to fly home, and it takes a long time. Um, and there's really not much to do but sit around and try and sleep. And Black Bolt is plagued by nightmares. He just he can't get any restful sleep. Um, there's a lot on his mind. Um, now, uh, he, he goes in to check on Blinky. And i got to tell you, it's weird seeing Blinky illustrated by someone other than oh, Christian Ward. He makes her look so... <laughs> I mean, she looked bizarre by Christian Ward, but now she's just like she's kind of downright a little bit creepy looking. <laughs> you know, but it's awesome. I love yeah, Blinky. I love Blinky too. I think Tenor is love. a lover. Yeah, that's what absolutely what I love about Fraser Irving is he just takes like just a normal person and just makes them look kind of a little bit weird. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of um, right. Yeah, he, I, I he's got kind guy. of a he did a, he did a series called. Um, uh, Clarion the Witch Boy, which so worked to his strengths because yeah. he just made everyone look kind of blue and creepy, and <laughs> it was just it was awesome. And it, yeah, so whereas Blinky is super cute when drawn by Christian Ward, she's a rather uh, grotesque, um, but in a neat way when yeah. when illustrated by Fraser Irving. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, so she's she's sleepy, and and because she's a telepath. In a, a traumatized young girl, um, her her nightmares, ha- they kind of are manifested as real, and uh, Black Bolt finds himself fighting against Lone Dao the Rich, who was this wretched creep who's the one who sent uh, Blinky to prison in the first place, um, and a big old fight goes down until uh, Blinky wakes up and is like, "Oh, sorry, I was having a bad dream." <laughs> um, no. Then they realize, uh, they hear some, some clanking around in the back, and they're like, oh, it's Monsteroso. He's the giant, monstrous, yet childlike beast that the two had rescued from the space prison. And despite his size, Monsteroso is actually just a child, and Black Bolt and Blinky have used the ship's navigation computer to chart a course to return him to his planet of origin. And of course, nothing goes easy. When they land there, Monsteroso's parents show up and they're like, they think that, that, that Black Bolt is a bad guy, that he's the one who captured their son. And a big old fight ensues, but Blinky uses her telepathy to clear up the m- misunderstanding and, and, uh, Monsteroso's home. This is nice. And they continue on. They move, <laughs> they, they fly on and they go, they, they encounter some, I don't know, some sort of space empire. Um, and these galactic military ships start pursuing Black Bolt's ship and shooting laser beams at them. And he uses the spaceship's defense systems to shoot down and destroy the pursuing crafts. And Blinky's a little like, whoa, that was yeah. harsh. Yeah. Um, and, you know, 
Perhaps a greater, more capable hero could have managed the situation without resorting to such drastic action, but Black Bolt just isn't that hero yet. Right. It's clear he wants to be, and the matter weighs very heavily on him, but he, he's still got, you know, he's not Captain Marvel or Superman yet. He's, he's, he's Black Bolt. He's a flawed individual, and he's trying to be better, and that's kind of like the whole crux of this series um but this sort of this little incident reminds you that he's still kind of uh not there yet um so they continue on and they finally make it home and they um they they uh, get a uh oh i should i should say that that lockjaw has been recuperating in the healing chamber and he runs out for some cuddles and it's very cute oh what a good boy um, such a good boy and um they are hailed by uh, by New Adelan and Iso, the young and human who Queen Medusa had left in charge while they went off in search of Terrigen, calls out to the craft asking for it to identify himself and Black Bolt has finally made it home. But it seems as though a lot has gone on in his absence and he's not going to have all that happy and homecoming. Um, now, after the sort of insanity that was the first six issues, there was no way that this issue wasn't going to be a little bit of a letdown. It is kind of a fill-in or road trip issue. Right. Um, it's the first, you know, installment that I haven't been like, five out of five, Lord Jaws, this is awesome. But it's still an awesome book. And I, I definitely recommend this issue. It's it's neat. I mean, I miss Christian Ward's art, of course, but Fraser Irving, does, his sort of dreamy style of illustration really works with kind of like the hazy feverishness of, uh, of the narrative because they're, mm-hmm. you know, kind of falling in and out of sleep and trying, you know, basically like any road trip is kind of like that. You're just like, oh, when's it going to be over? <laughs> right. I, I kind of, I, I really enjoy uh, Fraser Irving's art as it is. I mean, Christian Ward and Fraser Irving are pretty much my top two favorite artists. I'm not going to lie. Purely because they are so different, but yes, yeah. but uh, I mean, it was. I think um, if 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 since Christian Ward couldn't do this issue, um, I think they they were very smart decision in in, in Fraser Irving. Absolutely, yes. yeah, loved it. I thought it was still a fun issue. Um, yeah, I think well, we learned a bit about Blinky that we might not have quite of what that's been hinted at, but we haven't really gotten the whole lowdown on so. I'm intrigued to see what happens with Blinky because it would be kind of fun to see her show up on uh, Champions or something. Oh, wow. Well, it's, uh, it's you know, ne- I, I would like to see, like, a, a comic that, that is, like, set in the future, like, way in the future, where all of the young and humans, uh, all the kids of the royal family are adults, you know? Adults. You like, Luna and Nahura and Lear and Petrus and Electo and now Blinky. That's a pretty good squad, I would yeah. I read the hell out of a comic pad. Those guys. Hell no, yeah! No, you just made your pitch to Marvel. Not in Humans <laughs> twenty ninety nine by any chance. No, not in Humans twenty ninety nine. <laughs> twenty ninety nine is a long, long time away from. We're doing twenty thirty. You know. <laughs> yeah. Right. Humans twenty thirty. Um, but this was a fun issue. Uh, not a must read, but but a very a fun issue, and um, I think it sets the stage that that although um, Black Bolt had made a lot of growth through his you know emotional growth through his experiences in the prison he still has a long way to go and and seems intent on making that and i think the fact that 
Blinky's there is going to act as a motivating feature. You know, he's got this <laughs> second chance to get it right as a parent. And um, it's I wonder going if to... that's going to annoy Ahura at all. Everything annoys Ahura, and rightly <laughs> so. True. Um, Ahura's no, running the business, not... though, to be fair. So. Right, yeah. <laughs> Elon Musk or Ahura will not be happy about this, but it's uh, it's it, it'll be interesting. And I and I'm looking. I hope he he shows up at least. Um, I think he'll pretend to be like he doesn't care, but secretly will be just infurious. You know. Yeah. Okay. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Ahura is a lot like his uncle more than he is his father. So. It's true. Of recent, oh, anyway. I- yeah. Not that crazy. He's just—he's. I guess he's a little mischievous, I suppose. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay, so that leads us to Secret Warriors number seven, where yeah. Quake yeah. is having a bad day. Quake, a very yeah. <laughs> Secret Warriors seven, aka Daisy Johnson's no good, rotten, bad day. Well, don't um, stay out. Or Deadpool's day out. Um, <laughs> this was also uh, the second issue of a. Of a, of a brief mini two issue mini arc, um, one in which uh, series regular illustrator uh, Javier Garan Javier Garan takes time off, and instead we have illustration from uh, that's a weird name Juan and Ramirez Juan and Yes, Ramirez. We'll just call him Mr. Ramirez. Mr. Ramirez, who who I actually quite like. Um, at first, I was like, I'm not so into this. But then the more I got into, the more I read it, I was like, I like this guy's illustration. I think it really fit the tenor of the of the um, of the story. Mm-hmm. Basically, what's happened is that um, Daisy wants to hunt down and kill Deadpool to avenge the death of Phil Coulson, her her friend and mentor. Um, and uh, she's using. Oh, keep in mind, note, guys, before we go any further, there's a note on the front page of this that this story takes place before the events of Moon Girl and Double Dinosaur 23. In case you were wondering. Oh, yes, because uh, this is it's before uh, Moon Girl um, leaves the Devil Dinosaur in his home dimension. Although he's only re- ref- referred to, he doesn't right. make an appearance. Um, but yes. Uh right. What was I? Okay, so Bullseye, all the people you don't want to team up with, is right? uh, is is helping Daisy find um, Deadpool, and uh, she attacks him in the street, and he's like, "Okay, yeah, let's do this." Oh wait, I'm not ready for this, and so he throws a grenade into a into a busy restaurant, and you know, uh, um, Quake has to run in and save the rest- restaurant patrons, which allows. Deadpool to escape and and you know um, Bullseye is like look you can get revenge or you can be a hero you can't do both which is kind of the general crux of this whole story um, now as an aside and this is my favorite part um, uh, <laughs> uh, Karnak has settled into his new position as I don't know he's working for Unilux doing something his first quest <laughs> he's going to have all all the windows in his corner office boarded up because he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to view. That would be too. That would be too. You know, he's he's got his keep up. He's got to keep up with his emo cred and board up all the windows. And he's like, "Now get out of here! I got to make a Skype call." So he calls up Lunella for their you know weekly check in or something. And what follows is one of my favorite exchanges of yeah. recent memories: Lunella and and Karnak having a video conference <laughs> chat. Oh, can, and, the, the best line! The best line! 
is when Mooga is, is basically that in that whole thing. It's like um, uh, so so Karnak's asking Mungo how she is. Um, <laughs> Mungo replies and then doesn't ask him, and he's like, <clears throat> and Mungo goes, "Do you need a drink or something?" No, you just didn't ask me what I was doing. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> how are you today, Karnak? And this is this is the bit that I identified with completely. Was he goes, "How I am is inconsequential." And look at Lunella's face after. Oh, so good. Lunella has 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 put it on herself to try and teach Karnak better manners, interpersonal skills, and one of which is you know proper introductions. You know when you say when you see someone, you ask them how they've been, and she's so happy that he's followed through and asked her how she is that he she forgot to ask him how he was, and then when she finally does, he's like, I don't care. How I am doesn't it doesn't matter. It's all meaningless, nihilism, blah blah blah. Um, it's just it's brilliant. Yeah. I can't give it. Just you just have to see it. Um, oh gosh, I love their relationship. <laughs> their just the relationship between Karnak and Lunella is just so fantastic. It's really yeah. I could read a whole issue. As I, I was about to say, in in reality, they're they're kind of actually not that different in terms of characters, and that's the really, really weird not. thing. It's it's kind of but they just work so well. It's crazy. You were saying before we started recording, uh, Sarin, that um, you uh, got a little piece of info on this. I did. I was uh, tweeting to um, Matthew Rosenberg uh, shortly before we um, started recording here about how um, how I like Lunella and Karnak and Secret Warrior 7 and how um, their relationship is like one of my favorite things. And he tweeted back to me. He said that for the next arc, um, their relationship is going to be a pretty big part of it. So... Or rather, a big part of it, and I could quote it. I got, I got to find it now. That's cool. I mean, that's that's good. As Either way, it. it's 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 awesome to have that little bit of information. So if you like Karnak and Lunella's relationship, guys, stay tuned sure. for the next arc. Well, I do, and I will. Um, but unfortunately, their their conversation gets interrupted when the knock comes to the door, and Lunella opens it to find uh, Dante or Inferno who's come to Lunella for help because the Dark Beast has abducted his niece, um, which is terrible. And we get um, confirmation of Dante's age for all the people who have been arguing this. And we get confirmation that he has got abs. He yes. has abs, he's 19, and he's very excited to meet Moon Mom, but <laughs> Lunella won't let him. Um, oh, so yeah. instead, they they agree to meet up at, at Miss Marvel's school, and... Um, and and uh, Dante's like, yeah, can we not hang out here? This makes me look like a creep. Um, and, uh, and 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 you know, I do like Dante too. Miss Marvel's like, what? No, I'm I'm a, I'm a grown up. He's like, no, you're a teenager, and I look like Roy Moore here. Come on. And so they decide to instead go to a, yeah, a, they go to an ice cream ice- shop. I mean, <laughs> much more savory. <laughs> Hey guys, I'm 19 years old, here with a 15 year old and a 9 year old, and I'm buying them ice cream. That's what could be wrong with that? Well, obviously, Miss Marvel and Dante are dating, and they're babysitting the 9 year old child. That's a bit of an age gap, though. That's a bit of an age gap. It's a bit weird. Well, He's it's 19 it's... and she's 16. 17. It's it's not... she's it is legal. Okay. It's illegal, yeah. But yeah. it's not. It's not illegal in the UK. some states. But it is legal in New Jersey, though, isn't it? Yeah. I just I realized know. that 19 and 16, but I always think she's older than that, but she is. She's only 16, isn't she? 
The age of consent in Illinois, at least, is 18. And I just stamp on five years to everything because I just, you know, whatever. Um, anyways. But it's not that as huge. It's illegal, but it's not a terribly huge. Maybe I'm sounding like a horrible person. I'm just going to say, all he needs is a van, and then then he's then he's crossed the line. Or maybe like uh, one of those like. Well, well, he did. He did. They did have that truck in the horse trailer. (laughs) 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 Um, So the reason why 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 Dante is 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 hanging out with all these young ladies is that he wants them to help them save his niece, and they're like, okay, we need to get Quake, and and Miss Marvel's like, no, Quake's no fun. They have to babysit the kid, is what I meant to say. I got you. And I they just dug myself you. a hole and made myself look like an asshole. So, so you know. So on the on this page, I don't know if you guys have noticed it. Just on the artwork, top left, mm-hmm. pa- uh, top left, and top right panel shows Miss Marvel eating an ice cream. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, I'm pretty sure she just drops it on herself. And it's like that's just <laughs> yeah, a nice little does. touch. That's just like. I, I think I she drops it, it on her when 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 Lunella suggests that they bring Karnak on board. <laughs> She's like, no. <laughs> Yeah. Well, anyways, they uh, they do agree that they will recruit Daisy at least to help them find um, uh, Dante's niece, and in so doing, they realize that Daisy's been tracking down Deadpool and they need to save her from herself. And um, this and that happens. It all ends up at an abandoned amusement park, which is the perfect place for a superhero fight <laughs> that uh, Deadpool oh. has rented out so that he can be. At an amusement park. I don't know. He wants to play. Like a um, wagon. And um, well, anyways, a big old fight goes down, and it turns out that that um, that that Quake is actually doing better than uh, Bullseye expected she would, and he's not happy about that. So he just throws this knife out there, and of course he's Bullseye, so it goes exactly where it wants it to, and it lands right in in Daisy's forearm. It's a rather gruesome sight, and it's like ah, and she's pissed, so she. Uh, causes the whole roller coaster that Bullseye's been perched upon to fall. And um, that's that happens. And then Deadpool's like, all right, yeah, have at it. You know, I'm unkillable. And she's like, I know, but I found out a way to really get you. And it's actually quite ingenious. Uh, she's got There's this uh, wet cement that she s- sticks him in, and then he's going to be buried. And it doesn't matter if he's got a healing effect or not. He's going to be buried alive in wet cement. And finally Deadpool's like, Oh shit! <laughs> I'm in trouble here, um, and uh, he's like, you know what? You got me, but don't don't be too hard on yourself. You know this. You, you know this is the first time that she, she's not she's killed before, never in like cold blood. She's never executed, and he's like, this is going to haunt you. But you know that's how it is. You're making a decision about who you're going to be. Uh, now, meanwhile, the uh, the the a Moon Girl, Miss Marvel, and, and Inferno have showed up, but they have to fight Bullseye. And even though Bullseye doesn't have any superpowers, it's clearly he's more than a match for these heroes. And Lunella runs up to Daisy, to Quake and is like, look, you got a decision. You can kill this guy or you can save those three people. You have to decide who you're going to be for the rest of your life by your next action. And she makes the right choice. She, she leaves and uh, goes to save the others. Um... <laughs> And in so doing, allows Deadpool to escape, and she basically has to let go of her her, her bloodlust to kill him. 
Um, but <laughs> she she distracts Bullseye long enough for uh, Miss Marvel to use her embiggening power to to kick him off into the East River, and um, <laughs> and she's like, "Do you think he'll be okay?" And Dante's like, "Don't know, don't care." <laughs> um, but anyways, it's all set up. It's all set up for for the next issue, which is coming out this week, um, where the Secret Warriors team will go up against the Dark Beast. And Mr. Sinister, who has abducted um, uh, Dante's niece, and I'm really looking forward to that because it will be also a story that will show the introduction of Magic as a member of the team, uh, the former X-Man and very cool X-Man, Magic, who I really like, and I'm, I'm looking forward to her introduction. I think it'll be very interesting to see. And this was a fun story. It was a good book. Yeah, it was. it was. It was, and uh, yeah, I I did quite like the art on this one. Yeah, I it, it it you know there was kind of a noirish feel to the story, and I think that the kind of the the scritchy scratchiness of it, and the, the the sort of the way he did his facial expressions really suited that way. Like, kind of reminded me of early Paul Pope work. Um, I don't know if you guys are fans of Paul Pope. Um, I don't even know who that is, unfortunately. Yeah, neither do I. I don't get out often. Oh, all right. So, anyways, it's it's good. It's good. Um, and I recommend it. And those of you out there who are interested in Secret Warriors number eight, which is coming out this week, is an excellent jumping on point. Um, so be sure to check that out. Uh, uh, Javier Garan will be coming back, and I think he's actually joined by Will Robinson uh, doing the art and Matt Rosenberg on scripts. So it's going to be fun. So on to what the uh, fourth fourth issue of of uh, Once and Future Kings, right? Yeah. Yep. So four right. out of five, nearly there. Four out of five, man. That is so. Phil Noto and Christopher Priest, and this is a wild ride. Um. <laughs> it is. It's like this issue seemed like I, I was I, I I I skipped issue three. So going into this one, I was like, uh, what? You know, even reading issue three uh, might leave you a little confused because there's a whole lot of plot being jammed into four comics here. Um, I, I, anyways, what the what happens is that young the young Maximus and young Black Bolt run into Spider-Man, and that is very confusing because, by my own sort of personal sense of continuity, Spider-Man should be like ten, but he's not. <laughs> yeah, he's Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah. He's kind and, of like, um, yeah, we, we don't we don't look at continuity on this. Well, because, no, not uh, necessarily, because aren't aren't Parker and Johnny Storm like the same age? So wouldn't. No, Johnny Storm is like, what, in his early 20s, surely? But they're, be- they're BFS. They, they, they were actually classmates at ESU oh, okay. back in the day. So they are the same age. But I, um, uh. I always thought of as as Medusa and Black Bolt being significantly older. Yeah, I was going to say because um, yes. the fact that they because the um, yes yes oh, first I see appeared in Fantastic Four forty five right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see where you're coming from now. It, it's not a big deal. I mean, it's, it's, the continuity is thrown into the into the the spin cycle here, but it's a fun story nonetheless. Um, Black Bolt thinks that Spider-Man must be a fellow Inhuman because he's spinning on webs and doing his spider thing, and and he does he, whatever he, a spider can. He does doing what a spider can, except not spinning webs out of his butt because that's how <laughs> spiders do it. Um, wow, that would be a more interesting version of Spider-Man. This, this, this devolved. 
Yeah, okay, anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> wow. You, you didn't know that about spiders? No, I did. I just... <clears throat> continue. I'm always about... You guys sharing the wisdom, guys. It's all about science. <clears throat> Maybe we should just edit that part out. Anyways, um... Nope. He sees Spider-Man, and, uh... And he's got this new device that the wizard, or that Bentley Whitman, has made for him that allows him to modulate his sonic power, so now he can talk normal if he wants to. And he's like, hey, oh, Spider-Man, you must uh, help your king. And Spidey's like, what? No. And, of course, it turns into a fight. And Maximus tries to use his mind control to get Spidey to, to stop. But because Spider-Man has spider sense, uh, that particular type of telepathy ends up creating this weird feedback loop where um, Spider-Man is basically infused with all of Maximus's feelings and Maximus is infused with all of Spidey's feelings and it just is some threes company craziness goes down yeah. where, where Spidey's like, I love you and I hate you and I have such mixed feelings, let's fight and and um, Maximus is all like, Aunt May <laughs> needs her medicine <laughs> you know? Uh, I, don't, I, can't, I can't give it justice. It's fun. It's I think it, the best bit is that whatever it is, I love you, but I resent you. Kind of like <laughs> Apple yeah. products. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's right. yeah um, so, good. so their fight goes down, and 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 I think it turns out okay because um, Maximus runs the pharmacist to get Aunt May's medicine. Of course, he doesn't know that her name is May Parker, so he's like first name Aunt, last name May, and the pharmacist is like. What? Um, now Medusa somehow uh, catches up with them and is like, here, let me help. And they get the medicine and they jump into a cab or a contrivance, as the humans and humans call it, and make their way to Queens to deliver the medicine. And, um, you know, Maximus is still, he's kind of, he's sort of chilled out by having some of uh, Peter Parker's neuroses bouncing around his head and and he's he shows a softer side that, that Medusa actually quite likes and then out of nowhere he, he leans forward and kisses Medusa and he, she's like what and then she kisses him back and I was like what, what? <laughs> yeah I was saying like and that was weird um, but uh, it turns out okay now meanwhile um uh, Crystal has is who's like a child um, has found uh, Lockjaw, who's like a puppy, and they've made it back to Whitman's apartment where she meets the um, uh, the Alpha Primitive known as Alicia, and he's, she's like, "Here, you need to help me," and he's like, "I will, but uh, uh, if you help me," and Crystal's like, "Yeah, I'll do it if you give me some of your swag." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because because humans know what swag is, and apparently they well, watching sixties sixties comfort. Yeah. yeah, right. So <laughs> she gets his hat and some ice cream, and then we'll agree to help him. Now it turns out that he's actually knocked out the uh, the wizard, and is and has got his technology in his helmet, and it's clearly it's clear that he has uh, motivations to use it to some nefarious end. I think he wants to kill um, the living Terrigen, which I don't blame him. Um, mm -hmm. And on top of all of that, also, um, Triton has been captured by this uh, research lab, and he has this sort of shape of water affair with this lady, and is like, finally he's able to communicate, and he scratches on the wall, or the, the glass, let me out. And she's like, oh, you're sentient, okay, and she lets him out. And he jumps out of the water, and 
For some reason, Karnak is on a on a Ferris wheel <laughs> in Coney Island. He's just, just sat there with like two old people. It's just like, right. and, yeah. and somehow Triton is exactly where he is, and they're reunited, and they're like, okay, we've made it. Let's let's go home. And I feel like maybe there was a six issue planned, and that and that priest kind of had to compress his script a little bit because. That made no sense, but it was fun. Um, and uh, you know, I imagine drawing a Ferris wheel is quite hard, but Phil Noto made it, makes it look easy. They all run off. Now, here's the interesting bit for me: mm-hmm. is after it's all said and done, the pharmacist is like, "Man, what is with those two weirdos?" But one of them dropped his pills, and he picks it up, and he's like, "This is a sugar and water pill. This is just a placebo." And it turns out that the antipsychotics that that Maximus has been prescribed are actually just placebos. That they're that that um, perhaps he's not schizophrenic. Perhaps he's just got this sort of neurotic mental illness that is uh, uh, psychologically or psychosomatically created, um, and thus can be treated through placebos as opposed to real life neuroleptics, which I thought really interesting. Um, yeah, I thought that was kind of an interesting little effect too. Um, and yo, that's what happens. Yeah, it was. It <laughs> Somehow, was... all of this is going to be wrapped up in the final issue, and I have no idea how because there's a lot of loose threads. Um, but I'm enjoying it, and the art is spectacular. Oh, um, Phil Noto never disappoints. To have Phil Noto and Javier Rodriguez working on human books, just like I'm, I'm very happy. Yeah, I mean Phil Noto again. Is a superb artist and that kind of stuff. Um, the best thing was I was suggested to get the was it Black Widow books by him and Nathan uh, Edmonds. Yeah, yeah, Nathan yeah. Edmondson. And um, so, so I put the order in. For, well, my mum bought me them for Christmas. To be fair, it's so. Phil Noto's fault. I read comics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He could illustrate the phone book, and I'd read it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think I would too. But um, we're we not going to talk about the little. The little Lockjaw story right at the end. Oh, yes. Right. Um, uh, Ryan North and Gustavo Durante. A little two-page Lockjaw, which is really how uh, Avengers Infinity War should go, if they had any guts. <laughs> right. It, it's basically just Lockjaw teleporting in and out and taking all of Thanos's his glove, his stones, his clothes, his underwear, and then Miss Marvel comes home and is like, "What is going on here?" <laughs> so well, it kind of reminds, reminds me of that scene from um, Civil War Two. And say what you will about that event, but that scene where he goes in with, when he transports into Tony Stark's, um, uh, his, his uh, car hold yeah his car hold or whatever and the machines are like not a threat and then he like spits out all these bombs <laughs> and out. I'm, I'm still bitter about that guys i'm sorry it's okay but i thought I, that was a great i yeah civil war 2 as an event was a dud but i thought the civil war story arcs that played out in uncanny and humans and miss marvel were both gems um yeah. and yeah and and hey Big news, yeah, I should mention this, is that Bla- that Lockjaw is getting his own five-issue miniseries. Yeah, yeah. that's all at the end of the day. Great. There can never be too much Lockjaw as far as No, I'm, I'm very glad. And everyone's like, oh, 
it's it's gonna fail. No one's gonna read it. And like, well, they said it's a mini for one. And number two, I bet the kids are gonna freaking love it. It's Lockjaw. How can you not no, like? Want to that. Who said it? who said bad things about Lockjaw? I've never heard anyone. Oh, say oh, just a lot of people when they heard it. Just a lot of Inhumans haters. I'm like, how can you Were hate Lockjaw? Were they in, in X Men fans? Probably. Oh well, they have. I'm sorry, yeah. I didn't mean that. I'm... There's, they have X Men Red, which will only be redheaded X Men. Yeah, X Men Red actually sounds really good. Red. I actually, I, right. I, I really quite. Want it's going to gonna that. be Jean Grey, Teen Jean Grey, Jean Grey Junior, Hope Summers, Rachel Grey. I don't know, maybe Wolverine. It's going to be red. All right, anyway, um, <laughs> wow. Wolverine will be a good, good being thrown in that mix. Right. <laughs> Just, uh, maybe wow. a redheaded Wolverine. Um, <laughs> So it really remains to be seen whether or not the living Terrigen is a benevolent ruler, or if he's a bad guy, if well, he has good intentions, if he has bad intentions. I want to know what's going to happen with Alicia, how the slave engine gets destroyed or saved, what's up with uh, Maximus and his antipsychotics actually being placebos. How is it that him and Medusa are making kissy face? I want, I want answers. And it's right. all going to be squeezed into one last issue, and I'm like, that's not enough for me. No. But, it has been a genuinely quite quite good story, I thought. Oh, yeah. Yes. No, it's been a lot of fun. It's a lot of content, though. It's kind of like you're saying. It's almost like he had an extra issue beforehand, and then it got shortened they down said, to no, five. No, it but... needs to be five. It yeah. needs to be six. The, the Karnak and Triton storyline was was the one that suffered the, from the truncation. I, w- because... I want to know why he went on a Ferris wheel. <laughs> I imagine to get a, a high view or so. I don't know. I'm sure. No, I'm sure Karnak had some logical oh, reason for it. Yeah, he finally just wanted to take a Ferris wheel, right? I mean, <laughs> he, they found, don't have he found a lovely, lovely human couple that was just looking after him for a little bit. Took yeah, him oh, in. You yeah, you know that that Karnak got adopted. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he, I think, I, and I'm surprised. Child age Karnak is pretty cute. He's yeah. a little bald guy. Well, <laughs> oh, Wilson, did you ever read the um? The Young and Human story by G. Willow Wilson. It was a one shot. Oh yes, in I Heart Marvel. Uh, yeah, it was really was, good. Might have to get and that. And he, he was a bit of a prick in that one, though. Yeah, he, he was. Good. He was mean to Crystal. You're too yeah. young. Um, uh, but this is fun, and um, I. It's another one of those books that I'm. I can't wait for the trade paperback because I'm going to buy it for all my comic book loving friends. Um, <laughs> just in time for Christmas, hopefully. Woo-hoo. Yay. Also, so going into um, issue number 10 of Royals now. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yes, that was a really good book. Really wow, good what a great issue. And I love Javier Rodriguez. I know I, I keep waxing about it, but oh, my God, I love him. I think follow, he's, he's especially he, followed on from the weirdness of Karnak on a Ferris wheel. We've got the weirdness yes. of Royals. So This um, is far out outrace stuff, man. A, the epitome of an Inhumans book is yes. what it's turning out to be. It's um, so yeah, it's it's a wild ride and um, another tale that's hard to recap um, because so much is is in the visuals. Um, but basically, really is. he is such a phenomenal artist. It's like it's like he kind of stepped back and was like, "All right, Javier, just tell the story your way." <laughs> I think I think Saren with uh, with Javier Javier Rodriguez is like me with Christian Ward, isn't it? Yes, like... <laughs> I love. Rodriguez. And yet, neither of you guys know who Paul Pope is. Sorry, hit up your Google image search immediately. I mean, actually, I, after, I after, after I've we've heard recorded. that he is kind of a creep as a person, but I love his art. Um, uh, we haven't seen a lot from him. I think it's because he got tied up in some sexual harassment issues. But 
That's, oh, that's, I should um, have said that. <laughs> I say that's, uh, that's, that's topical. So this yeah. this issue was called uh, the David Bowie lyric we have is "We Could Steal Time," which is a great song from a great song, I should say. There uh, you go. Uh, and um, I don't know how that fits. It's just a good song. Anyways, um, yeah. So the Royals have made it to the World Farm. Um, and they've done so by uh, retracing the trajectory of a skyspear. Um, Flint had touched a skyspear, and it appears to have infected him with something. His his hand and his upper um, uh, forearm are being uh, I- encased in this weird uh, translucent crystal, and you can see his bones, and it's quite gruesome. Um, but it's also offered him kind of extra awareness or whatnot. He realizes that the spaceship Asterion is about to be destroyed by one of the Harvester-class progenitors. <laughs> that was a sentence I never thought I'd say. Um, so uh, he, he, he creates a giant uh, crystal orb around them as the uh, ship is exploded and and Medusa issues forward orders and has Crystal create oxygen within the orb and has Novar put use his pocket battlefield to cushion their blow and has Flint direct the orb into the main sort of sun-like planet of the world farm and they crash but they survive and they find themselves in the main world farm Planet. planet and and they're it's like wow, so this is weird so and weird out there place, man. and uh now um novar had also touched the sky spear and he too had kind of gained a certain degree of insight and he's like well this is all a sort of synthetic biology that, that this whole world is kind of like an organism that is artificially brought to life and all of this liquid pumping into these weird trees are, are composed of nanoprocessors. It's all a weird botany biology supercomputer. Okay. And that the mm-hmm. IT dude is about to show up and the IT dude is this huge uh, progenitor. <laughs> oh, God. And they're so bizarre and like weird looking. It's so right. great. He's an ordinator class progenitor, and he's got a floating head, and he's this I weird... like how they all talk, talk in, like, computer speak, and, like, the double backslash error question mark, double backslash. Yeah, <laughs> right. Cool. I'm not... I actually don't know how to code, but my friends and, and, and patients who are coders will probably get a real kick out of how language works, I imagine. You're a coder, right, Adam? No, I just design stuff. Okay, never mind then. Well, maybe anyone out there who does know C++ or JavaScript, maybe this stuff is, makes sense to them, but it just seems like a bunch of words put together. Um, it's neat, though, and uh, this uh, ordinator class progenitor, who's basically just like a custodian, comes to eliminate these unwelcome guests, and um, the royals have to fight them off. And finally, you want to tell us what happens, Seren? Crystal kicks ass. It's finally what happens. <laughs> finally, we get to see Crystal kicking a little ass. Uh, apparently, the world farm does have some real terrain, actual rock terrain 
as a part of it, and she causes it to raise up as this giant wall, and and but the pressure gets through it. But then she encases, she like sort of like concretizes the oxygen around the the progenitor's head, and he's, his laser gets disabled. But he does get a shot off and hits her in the ankle, and she's injured and going into shock. And Medusa has to carry her off, and then Maximus is like, "All right, wait a second. Well, keep if in mind way- that Crystal's still fighting while Medusa is carrying her off. Yeah." yeah. She's still, she's kicking ass, I'll say that. Um, Maximus realizes that these, these, although a machine, this this machine works like a mind, and he's been manipulating minds for as long as he can remember, so he thinks he can do the same. But Swain's like, well, wait, if I'm here, then your powers are going to be nullified because our powers cancel each other out. And then he says, well, they don't have to. Um... Our, work, our powers only cancel each other out because we fight each other, because we don't allow them to coalesce. That, he, that, that his powers work on a cognitive level, hers work on an emotional level. He's like ego, she's like id. If they were to work in concert, they could actually augment their powers as opposed to nullify. And it, they struggle, but they succeed in actually doing that, and they reach out with their mutual powers to grab this robot's brain or the narrow pathways of his brain and then squeeze and the head explodes and it's wow that happened now that was just the custodian that was just the it guy they they're actually being watched by um an overlord class progenitor and his enforcers and his enforcers I'm saying his, I'm there, it's, it's enforcers, which are these two scary looking dudes. Um, one's got like a alien HR Geiger head for a chest. Yeah. The other guy looks like he's got Zardoz head for a chest and you're just like, oh yeah, yeah, who are these two? And overlord class progenitors puts out his hand and he's like, end threat, which basically means he's sending these two guys to go, go take care of the Royals. And you're like, oh man. Bad news, yeah. um, and that's kind of where things uh, uh, hang. Um, you know, going in, I was really interested to see how the progenitors were going to be differentiated from the celestials because I saw, at first blush, I was like, "Wow, they look—they're just like the celestials." But I think Al Ewing and company have done a really good job of showing off the differences. You know, while the celestials are these sort of like space gods in the mold of, uh, you know, astrotheism and chariots of the gods, the progenitors are more like hyper-evolved, techno-organic... Computer. Software guys. Software guys. I mean, they're kind of like Solaris from Stanislaw Lem or or maybe uh, the Borg from Star Trek or even Cybertron from the old Transformers cartoon. Uh, A a techno-organic life form that has hyper-evolved so that it now harvests harvests its own growth and expansion. And it's, it's a cool idea. Um, I have no idea where where, where things are going to go or how the Royals can possibly stand a chance against such an overwhelming threat. I mean, I, it'll happen. It'll likely have something to do with what's going on with Flint because his uh, infection... Yeah red and now it's covering half his body you can see his skull it's very it's pretty ghastly looking and based on the prologue set 5,000 years in the future it's a pretty close bet a pretty good bet that that flint is destined to become the moon king who is this sort of monstrous crystalline being with a skeleton in the middle who might be tough enough to take out the progenitors we shall see 
Mm-hmm. Would you would you count that as the uh, the secondary genesis uh, terogenesis um, thing that, no. that Al Ewing mentioned? Oh yes, it could be because because oh, yeah. I I kind of don't see it as a terogenesis. I see that as the uh, progenitors kind of increasing the ability, like you mentioned last episode episode before. It was kind of but tapping into. What if there into... was like Terrigen in those obelisks? Did they ever state if that was the case? Well, well Terrigen is a derivative of Primogen. And primogen is the sort of lifeblood that that the progenitors use to evolve things. So it stands to reason that there is some degree of primogen in the sky sphere, and that's what's caused this transformation in so flame. It could still technically yeah, could be. be a secondary gen- terogenesis then, just without the cocoon. I, I still, now, I, I think, I think it'd be look, Medusa. Still. Well, if you look at the preview art for in Human's Judgment Day, it seems as though Medusa has her hair. Yeah. So yeah. somehow, I mean, I, it's not like she's going to be cured and her hair is just going to pop back on. Right. Unless that's... Or, it's I mean, a maybe wig. It could be a... No, it's not a wig. <laughs> oh my god, Adam. <laughs> you sure it's not the uh, the one Surinder Swan had? So yes. I was I was reading um, the holding court, the letter section for Royals. Mm-hmm. And apparently, um, uh, Al Ewing, who is lovely in person, and Saladin Ahmed, who is also a lovely person to meet if you get a chance to meet them. I met them at NYCC, but when they were at NYCC, they um, they had coffee and they thrashed out plans for the future. And um, they said it should hopefully make fans of Gorgon, Medusa, and Black Bolt very happy. Uh. We think you'll enjoy Inhuman's Judgment Day, a one-shot coming this January. So... Oh, I'm looking forward to that, especially because um, the great, uh, uh, what's his name, Mike Del Mundo is going to be. Oh, my God. My Uh, other favorite artist. He's like in my top five. I love him, too. And if you have not read Weird World, he was like meant to draw that. Oh, yeah, you suggested that to me. You've got to read it. What an amazing book. He drew both. He drew the one by Jason Aaron, and then it was continued – with Sam Humphrey, it's a different story, but same, obviously, place. And he drew both arcs, and it's just amazing, and you need to read it. Yeah, well, I, I have. It's I agree. It's, it's a lot of fun. Um, but for this issue, uh, Rodriguez, who's actually his... Um, uh, he just did the pencils for this issue with... Rudy Blair and Alvaro Lopez. Alvaro Lopez is his inker. Yeah, he did the ink. Yeah, those two have been partners for a long time now. And, um, and Jody Bellier is one of the best colorists in the biz. She's I won think. an Eisner. So, and they were both on um, – that whole team was on Doctor Strange and the Sorcerer Supreme. So to have them on an, an Inhumans book it's fun, is, yeah. the best, is the best thing. And I, I would love Javier Rodriguez. I would love this art team to stay on this book for a very long time. Um, hopefully it continues after Judgment Day. I guess we'll see. Yeah, well, we will I, see. I, I think Al Ewan has stated that Judgment Day isn't the end; it's just the end of an arc. So okay. Well, we have confirmation, or at least I have heard. Not these things are always subject to change. Not, that this black... isn't inside information, is it? No, it's not. It's it's what I've been told um, from someone who I believe uh, that Black has at least been greenlit through issue twelve. Yeah, I saw that. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I, saw that I, too. I don't know what the case is for the Royals. I know that both books aren't selling hugely well, but they're doing okay. I mean, and and they're receiving letters, you guys, and they they all have letters pages, which is always a great sign in my book because if you care about something, you want to write about it. That's how Marvel knows. So, guys, keep writing to Marvel. 
about these books that you love them. I'm gonna I'm gonna stress it again. Um, M- That's Heroes especially important. It's so important. It's also important, I think, particularly so because I've just discovered there are multiple websites where people read these books for free, um, and so there's really no way of telling how well a book is being received because they can't judge it by sales numbers anymore. Right. <laughs> it's like, oh, um, so, I mean, it could be that everyone's reading the Royals and Black Bolt or no one's reading. I mean, it could be, we don't know. Um, so yes, send your letters, let them know that you're enjoying it. If you are enjoying them, which I imagine you are, if you're listening to this podcast, um, and, uh, keep those letters coming. Um, this is a wild one. And uh, it was so good. Um, I love not just because crystal kicked ass, but just because just the whole artwork and how it, how just amazing it is and how bizarre the world farm is. And it's just so out there. It's fantastic. I absolutely, absolutely love it. I'm so glad to have this art team and Al Ewing on the Inhumans. It just makes me very, very happy. It is. I mean, at at the same time, as much as I enjoyed the issue, I felt as though the plot kind of swallowed the characters a little bit. Yeah. Um, There was so much going on and so much over-the-top visualization of everything that, that, you know, the the really cool development that's been going on for characters like... uh, Medusa and Gorgon and, and, and Maximus sort of took a back seat to the action a bit. I'm um, okay with that. This yeah, time. every now and then it's good. Um, I, I mean, I especially with the Royals, which has managed to maintain a really nice clip in terms of how often it's released. You know, they're they're right. almost almost at bi-monthly at this point, which is really nice. Um, that's, that, twice, that means twice a month, right? Yeah. Right, yes. Right. I think so. Yeah, well, it's <laughs> like almost it twice a month. Sometimes it's not. It's, it's like every other month, it's twice a month, it seems. Yeah, it would be like 15 a year or so, something like that, or 18 a year. In any case, it's the fact that it's coming out more regularly makes a more action-oriented issue more tolerable or, or balance out with more character-based uh, issues, which I think we got a little bit more of in the prior issue. So it's Correct. it's uh, it's nice to have that balance. This issue I thought was a little too heavy on the action and not enough character, but it had a purpose to serve, and it served that purpose well. Yeah. Hey. Yes. No, um, that's think, my cat. I think the she best. Agrees. I think I think the best thing at the moment is the fact that we've got so many Inhumans books. I mean, you know, we go back a year. Uh, November 2016 that was last year um, what did we have at the time Civil War 2 IVX was about to start um, Uncanny we had a lot well, but, 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 had just ended, had ended by this point last year yeah so, so yeah, so, all so, new was I mean, a great title and Civil War I mean I, I miss of, books like all new I miss Mosaic but I still feel like we have an embarrassment of riches with all the inhuman content yeah. out there right now um and I, I'm not. I am under no delusion that that this is going to last forever. But I'm enjoying it while it's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a good time to be an Inhumans fan. That's for it sure. It really is, and it has been for for quite some time now. Which is good. I mean, I, I was fans of these characters back when they'd show up maybe once every two years. I'd be like, <laughs> you know, buying these of new warriors just to get a peek at a <laughs> the Inhumans. Right. <laughs> it's new warriors, but uh, um, so to have it. To have suddenly, yeah, and go to the store and buy six comics with the Inhumans. Right. Wow. That's um, awesome. And that's not even including quality comics out there like Monsters Unleashed and Uncanny Avengers, which also have Inhuman characters. So it's, yeah, because um, si- Emily, it's Synapse Synapse. Yeah. 
She, I've heard really good. I haven't read Uncanny Avengers, but I've heard people. Um, she's grown on a lot of people. Um, yeah, she's dating people... Quicksilver now. Oh well, oh. Chris... <laughs> Quicksilver. That's like his second relationship ever. Wow. Luna's gonna get a half sister or brother. Uh, no. <laughs> but um, <laughs> that's interesting. Isn't yeah. like Emily like a, like in her early twenties or something? That's like a ten-year-old. Ah, here we go again. <laughs> well, we don't. I mean, Quicksilver was a young. What? Yeah. And a what? perpetual young. He's about Crystal's age. Crystal's yeah. Thirty. Yeah, she's thirty. So it's not so bad. That's, yeah. So I mean, bad. I don't know. Um, I don't know. It's uh, yeah. Synapse is a very cool character. I actually liked what Jim what Duggan exactly was doing with is her. Her power. Oh, don't even ask. She can tap into the neurological functioning of any other organic being and take control of them like a puppeteer you know oh that's kind of cool yeah it's it's telepathy or te- te- i don't know it's sort of a kind of telepathy um yeah i do, I do remember instead of body jumping she like puppets them that way yeah 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 uh, but she got um she uh they were fighting the juggernaut this this month this week or last week um and uh, Quicksilver was able to remove Juggernaut's helmet, and Synapse jumped in to you take over his brain. But then he had a second helmet on. <laughs> he was he was double jimmying it, and he, and um, and, uh, and he's like, oh, I can't. And then he smacks her and puts her in the hospital. It's oh my terrible. God. Um, and it was, I've been uh, hearing good things about her though. Like a lot of people like didn't like her at first because she was an inhuman, but now they she seems to have grown a on character. a lot of people. What I was saying was I think that, that um, Jim Duggan did a really good job of building her character up in the first part of this new vom- of Uncanny Avengers. Yeah, I have to. But I, that I, Jim Zub hasn't – maybe it's Jim? I don't know. Something's up. Jerry, Jerry Duggan. Jerry Duggan, Jim Zub, that's what I'm doing. Hasn't <laughs> been as interested in building her character, but lately she's gotten some – some more screen time and that the relationship between her and Chris uh, Quicksilver has uh, has forwarded and that she is going to play a role in the big uh, no surrender story arc. Which oh, excellent. I'm glad to hear that. So, um, yeah, I just, I'm I just, glad to hear that. I, I realized I, I initially got the uncanny Avengers um, titles back in what was it? 20, 2015. Uh, after C- uh, it was 2016. So it was after yeah, C- she C- was C- the C- first War. arc, right? With her. Yeah, so because it was a grand. Ryan Ryan Stegman was the artist. Yeah, and that, that kind of put me off initially, which is why I didn't continue reading it. In fact, I dropped all the Avengers titles. I dropped all the X Men titles. I was yeah. Well, um, I... the book was later take, taken over by uh, right, illustration wise by Carlos Pacheco, who's always fun to to see. Um, yeah, I might have to pick them up in trade. You know, it, this, the Avenger, the Uncanny Avengers, is a little Deadpool heavy. Um, yeah. So was, if you can handle it, Deadpool, yeah. that was the um, reason why I stopped. <laughs> right, but at the same time, um, they did some really cool things with Synapse. Um, she got tutored by Cable for a while, and he he trained her to use her powers. It was, and they, there was a really neat sort of uh, growing rela- uh, the relationship between Emily and Rogue. At first, Rogue hated her because she was inhuman and she was suffering from. Uh, Terrigen poisoning, but then they got to be friends, and it was a really well done arc. Um, I, I recommend the series; it's fun uh, to read. I'll read it because I I just heard good things about her, and I love her character design. Like her her outfit, I think is pretty badass. So yeah, going judging on like who you dig, like Crystal and Spider Woman, I think you'll like Emily. She's kind of of the same vein. Yeah, that's good. 
I'll have to I'll have to read it. And then um what was the other book you were talking about? <laughs> I don't know. I talked about so many books. <laughs> I know. So I was gonna say I mean non non Marvel talk a minute. Um I, I finally got round to reading because um, we talk about Chips uh Zdarsky. Is that his name? Oh, you were reading Sex Criminals? Yes, it's so funny. It's so good. Uh, oh, that's a great great title. Is, uh, yeah. Uh, I, I read the first the first volume and I was just sort of like, yeah, this is this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever read. It's so good. You know, um, I felt like that with I, I Hate Fairyland by Scott Young. Yeah. <laughs> well, Sex Criminals <laughs> is written by Matt Fraction, who was originally going to spearhead the Inhuman Initiative at Marvel. Yeah. yeah Could then, you? I mean, I, I love what Charles Soule did. But I can only imagine how great it would have been. Because I'm a huge Matt Fraction fan. I think he's A, a quality human being, and B, a really great writer. I think of what he did with both Odyssey and and uh, yeah. Sex Criminals. Yeah. I would have loved to have seen his take on the Inhumans. I mean, he did, get a, he did write one issue of Inhumanity. So he, that yeah. was really actually, good, too. Except for the fact that it killed Karnak. Um, <laughs> yeah, but... But it was really an good. excellent issue, nonetheless. Um but yeah, he, I mean, he he said I talked with him once uh, through email, and he said that you know if 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 I'm ever if I ever buy him a cup of coffee at a at a, at a con or something, he'd tell me what he had planned for the Inhumans. And I'm gonna hold him to that if I ever go to a, a convention that he's at. Um, I, was gonna, I was gonna say we need to uh, we need to get all three of us in like one convention. <laughs> right? Man, we'd be, oh my god, people would run away from us. We're like, not them, no. <laughs> Well, all, all of no, the, uh... they wouldn't run away from us. I will tell you that every comic creator you ever you well, the ones that I've met, um, they're awesome. Like I, um, I went up to Robbie Thompson's table this year at a uh, New York Comic Con, and he remembered me from last year, which is awesome. And um, you know, just every comic creator I've met has been awesome, and uh, I don't think they'll run from you. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, uh, we'll have to, if we get T-shirts printed up, we'll do that. <laughs> okay, now we're getting into crazy talk. Um, so this has been a long episode. Thank you for everyone who stuck it out to the very end. Um, if you have any questions or comments, please hit us up at... The show at AdelanRising.com or on Twitter at AdelanRising1 or uh, Doc's Tumblr page in Humans Forever. Right on. Um, I think we're all caught up finally. Yep, yeah, and uh, it, it, nice it'll, only be, it'll, it'll be hopefully back to normal. Normal service has been resumed, kind of thing. Um, now the TV show is over. Yes. Yeah. Hopefully for the short term. Yeah, we shall the short see. Term, not for the long term. <laughs> All right. right. Well, thank you for Until listening. Until next everybody. time, guys. Thanks for listening.